Good afternoon. This is Sticky Fitzgerald, and it is my pleasure to introduce to you today our guest, Maria Gamb. And Maria wrote a book called Healing the Corporate World, How Value-Based Leadership Transforms Business from the Inside Out. And Maria, I just love this topic today, so I can't wait to dive into it. But before we get started, why don't you give folks a little bit of a thumbnail uh, of your background? Oh, absolutely. Um, I spent um, 23, it might be actually 25 years in the corporate arena. I worked in the fashion industry, and I was the person who basically started as the intern to the intern to the intern in the days when nobody got paid as being that level. (laughs) And when I left the industry, I was a director, and I was um, managing and developing a business worth well over $100 million. Um, I've lived and I've traveled all over the world. Um, and it has been an exciting, it was an exciting 25 years, and I really learned the ins and outs of how to make people, um, how to make teams really effective or encourage them to make teams really effective, and it all came down to leadership, and that's basically why I decided to write the book. Well, Maria, one of my favorite uh, things that I, I read in your intro was that unless leaders get their heads and their hearts straight, changing thoughts, beliefs, and actions, they'll see more of the same kind of results. And boy, is that not true. So talk to us a little bit about what drove you to write the book, who who you thought your audience would be for this book, and then we'll dive into uh, the actual content. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're seeing in business today and on our political front, not to get into the politics too much, that unless people, the leaders, start to decide what it is that they're really here to do. If you're in a role as a leader, you need to really understand what that means, which means you need to put your ego down, and it's not about you. The position of a leader is about is about being the visionary and the motivator for a good greater than you, for a good greater than what the people, um, the people who you're leading are all about. It's about taking and mobilizing an idea for the betterment of all and not one. And I think this is one of those points that people forget, that being a leader is not about them and their ego and what they get and how they benefit the position right. of leader is as of quote unquote servant and being in service not servitude but being in service to the community right. that they lead. Yeah, and you know, servant leadership I think is, is one of those things that it is a little bit misunderstood, but uh, you know, it, it is something that really resonates with me because I think we've all seen the opposite of that and, and the ego driven, power driven uh, you know, kind of leader. And I mean, I grew up in, I, I've been in the travel industry my whole life. And one of my first uh, leaders that I was exposed to was Bob Crandall, who ran American Airlines. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he was an amazing man. I mean, he could, uh, he, he really did drive an amazing number of businesses uh, on a wide number of fronts, not just flying the airplanes, but really uh, pioneering you know, computers and travel agencies and, and uh, just a whole lot of things. But uh, never before and never since then, I think, have we had such an autocratic uh, leader that it was really his way or the highway. And, you know, there was no such thing as as a, a win-win uh, in a partnership. And I was in the joint ventures group in a company that fundamentally didn't believe in joint ventures. So, you know, that was really my introduction into leadership. And I think there's so many people 
uh, you know, particularly, uh, you know, who are in their 50s now that, you know, they never really had a servant leader in their life. So uh, talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, did, did folks encourage you to write down what, what you already had been living, or, or what was it that made you actually become an author? Because it's a pretty daunting step. I've written a, a number of books, so I, I know what you say. Yeah, absolutely. I You know, I think what what happened was is the, the business, there was this moment in a business that I was a part of where we had to basically take this hardworking team of people who had just been absolutely demoralized and devastated uh-huh. and turn the ship around. And at right. the time, I hadn't had a lot of great leadership. I mean, I'd had wonderful mentors and everything, but mentorship and leadership are two different things, you know. So right. seeing an esteemable way of moving the ship, so to speak, it made me realize that as we went through this, basically what turned out to be a six-year process, um, that there were definite benchmarks um, and attitudes and beliefs that had to be embraced in order to turn the ship. And I remember we're talking about a business that was more than $100 million. There was also probably, I think it was six other arms in a business that totaled over a billion dollars. So we were all moving this ship together. That's a lot of people, a lot of volume, a lot, a lot of everything that you had to move. And on the other side of it, I realized why businesses are successful and why businesses fail. And it all comes down to the leadership. But let me be really clear about this. The leadership does not only mean the person in the executive office, the person who has the corner office or the title. The book is really to encourage people to understand that whatever layer and level that they're at, they have the capacity to take on a leadership role and to affect an entire group of people in a positive way to make profound change. That is something that we have forgotten, that we are not victims, and I do use the word victim very strongly here. We are not victims of the people above us, but we can change the culture around us by being different. Now, you start off the book in the introduction of talking about uh, a story of despair and transformation. And, you know, just the whole use of the term healing incorporation in the same sentence I think may be throwing some of our listeners. So why don't you talk to us a little bit and set the stage uh, for the, the contents of the book? I think um, the word healing, and I purposely chose that word because there really is no other way to say it. It's not about fixing. It's not about remedying. It's about healing people because what happens is, you have to remember, people play out their personal stuff in the workplace. This is this is all personal stuff. These are personal issues. These are things that, you know, we've carried since childhood that develop into egos that are either um that either create sustainable business models or they create chaos business models. It's all about the personalities and the baggage that goes into the formula. Now, I've lived, you know, through some really weird, (laughs) to say the least, some really weird and difficult business situations. And I had to come to the realization that the dynamic that I was setting up that was going on around me, I had actually set up unknowingly because I was completely unconscious of my own behavior and my own need to be in control and my own need to be right. Now, I am not the only person who has had this experience. I am not the only person who has done this. 
So the premise of the book was to really help people to understand that the healing, the mental healing, the emotional healing, has to come to the individual before it can come to the organization because people are the organization. They are the greatest resource. And when people become more balanced and understand that it's their ego that's getting in the way, that it becomes the catalyst for either profound positive change or a continual spiral down. So that was really why the name was chosen and that first story that I tell about having to confront my own demons about am I really being the leader I'm supposed to be here? And isn't it worth one last chance, one last chance to do this, quote-unquote, right to make a difference in the lives of these people who are relying on me, or do I just walk away? And I know I am not the only person who has felt that. Like, I could really, you know, there are a lot of men and women who say to me, I'm standing on the precipice of just throwing them in the towel because I can't get anything done and nobody will work together and I should just go somewhere else, but they all in their heart really do appreciate the people around them who are working for them so hard and they just want to give it one more shot because that's where so many people are. And the the book really is the premise for before you throw in the towel, give this a try. Well, and I, I think you make a really good point, too, that because the healing does have to start with you, if you do throw in the towel and you go somewhere else, your junk will work its way out in the new situation. That's- and, you know, I've watched people over and over gone through that, that victim mentality of, well, here it is again. And it's like, okay, so what's the constant in this equation? Exactly. I always say the common denominator is you, sweetheart, you know, and people right. look at me and they get very, you know, freaked out. But it's the truth. Right. And it is the chicky. Here's the thing. What people, um, what I want to offer people is the opportunity to see that when a pattern is playing out, when it's in the workplace and it's the same stuff everywhere you go, whatever job you have, you are the common denominator. And if you are experiencing something similar in your personal life, because these are you're the same person. It's not a disconnect. You can't be one person here, one person there. Then there's a pattern and you see a pattern playing out in your personal life as well. A lot of what I share goes for both your personal and your professional life. And so many people have said to me, just knowing that and having somebody actually articulate it to me has changed my perception of everything that's going on around my world. It's amazing. Right. So once you get folks to to work on on their own stuff, you you then encourage them to see the bigger picture and and help me understand how how you can make that shift from that internal focus and and working on yourself to to really putting all of that in perspective. Yeah. I now the thing is is nobody needs to take a time out and to work on themselves. what's going on around you is really your opportunity to see all of the things that are going on in your own life um, that need to be resolved that are going on within you. Like a a control issue is a good one where you can see that because you're being so controlling, a process may not be moving forward or you may be alienating the people who who really need to be your partners. And um, so it is, it's one of those things that happens simultaneously. It's not about taking a time out. It's about using where you are to, to work on the stuff that may be impeding you. But the bigger picture is this, is that every business has a cycle, and so does life for that matter. And there are basically five different phases that we go through in any um, transition 
and or even the desire to want to have a transition from where you are now to a better place to be. I think that's probably the easier way to say it. And you have control over it, and you can actually lead people down the track and help them move past all of these phases to get to a team that will be very productive. So I actually laid out this this, uh, progression of transformation that happens in an organization using the four seasons as the template, because everybody understands the four seasons, because we live them, you know, no right. matter where we where we are, and that different things happen in different areas. And when you see the signposts that there's a problem in your group, that something is happening, and they're acting out in a certain way, I've actually detailed out the remedy for each of those, basically those phases, so that they know, you know, in summer, which is where you are when you want to be in possibilities, the gift and the lesson in that air, in that particular time is learning how to be flexible, to empower other people, and to really, really use what I call unbridled problem solving. But when you see around you that people are lying or compromising themselves to keep everybody happy, that's like the symptom that happens within that that um, that season. Then you know that what you have to do is start to really work on the trust factor because then that brings everybody back into alignment and the process moving forward. Right. So you talk about making that inner shift, and then you you give uh, these universal laws that can lead to change. Now is is that the concept of, of the seasons, or are there other uh, universal laws that, that you're bringing to bear on the problem? Well, the the fundamental one is um, the law. Uh, it's called the law of thinking. So, what you think, or what you believe, okay, or what you value, however you want to state that, is uh, will determine the actions you take, okay, and then those actions actually determine your result. So that's the foundation. So here we're going back to, I'm going to keep using control as the um, example. So if you feel unsafe, because control is about not feeling safe, if you feel unsafe, and that could be anything like feeling like you're insecure, and I'll use that one, uh, feeling insecure that people are going to find out you're you're a fraud, and that's a very common one. If you believe, (laughs) right, Eric? And so if you break it down and you're like, okay, well, I, I, you know, I'm so afraid somebody's going to find out I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and um, and they're going to see me as a fraud, and it is a common one, Chicky, big one, then there is more likelihood that you're going to be controlling. That's the action. You're going to control information. You're going to filter things. You're going to do what you need to do to make sure that you've got everything. It's like, you know, the little boy with his thumb in the um, in the dam. You know, try to control everything. And then the result is that people don't trust you because you're not you're not uh, open, you're not revealing, you know, you're not um, forthcoming with information, or you're so locked down with control that you're perceived as being inflexible. So people don't want to work with you, or they fear you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know, I mean, I didn't have time to share my story with you, but uh, <clears throat> I graduated from high school early, and. Um, Actually, the teachers went on strike a month before I got out of school, and so I I never actually went back to school and took exams, and uh, they mailed me my diploma, but I never went through cap and gown. So I have this recurring dream, like, that somebody's going to find out I never graduated. (laughs) I mean, I actually did, but but then I I did drop out of college, and, and, uh, you know, I've been very, very successful in my career, and, and while everyone can't do that, 
I have had many meetings where I've been sitting in, in the meeting thinking, how in the world did I get here? But I but I did have a seat at the table, and I, I you know, I, I had earned the right to be there. But, you know, it, it's interesting. You, you talk um, in, in the next chapter about two minds that don't think alike, and, and I'd like you to talk about that because I, I think about all of the different perspectives that people bring to the table. And, uh, again, you, you mentioned we're all colored with, with whatever is in the rest of our lives. And some people are think that they're very successful at compartmentalizing and other, other people are completely transparent. I happen to fall into that second category of there is no distinction between my personal and, and my business life. But but there's two minds that don't think alike. How does that apply uh, to this whole issue of healing? Okay, so really what I'm doing at this point is I'm taking people down a thought process to understand how business turns out the way it does. Okay, so there are two minds. There's your ego mind, your ego self, um, which is um, based in three founding principles, insecurity, lack, and fear. There's no other way to say it. Those are the three, and those will yield a specific result, and they're all about the ego not feeling safe. Um, And really, I mean, the three words that I use here really – really nail it. They're either insecure, they're fearful of whatever, the future, the past, somebody find whatever, it doesn't really matter, or lack. And when I say lack, it's that there's not enough. There's a miserliness, there's a greediness, there's um, all of those kinds of symptoms. But basically it's lack, fear, and insecurity. Now the other side is your higher is your higher consciousness, and this is all of us. I mean, this is not woo-woo at all. This is just the truth, how you come into the world. You come into the world full of acceptance, compassion, and dare I say in the business context, love. Now there's a very different set of um, business models that, that are derived from these two minds. So I'm setting the stage because then in the next chapter – we really talk about how to act from your higher self and rather rather than um, from your ego self because your ego self really comes down to this. When you operate from fear, lack, and insecurity, you're operating in what's called a model of chaos. And there's a really fascinating chart in the book on page 84 about this for anybody who is really intrigued by this. I think um, – when when you think about what I just said about the thoughts, the actions, and the results, this now will make perfect sense because if you're acting from fear, lack, and insecurity, it means that your motivations and the actions that you take are competitive, greed, controlling, perfectionism, being self-centered, excluding others, doubt, pessimism. Does this all sound familiar? <laughs> right? Are you there, Chicky? I am here. I'm sorry. I, I have been putting you on mute because I'm in the car and I want to. Uh, oh no, it's okay. I just thought I lost you for a second. Oh no, no, no. I am okay. right here with you, and and uh, you know, unfortunately, it's all too familiar of how you let that side of you uh, emerge, particularly when you're encountering the same things in the people who are around you, and and there there is a a bit of a hierarchy that can happen. I'm not talking about position hierarchy, but when you are basically fundamentally a stronger individual than the other one, but you're both acting out of that insecurity, yes. um, that's where that manipulation and control really, really uh, exudes. And uh, uh, just as a, a brief aside, because I, I want to hear the rest of your uh, your story about this, but I mean, I went through this in my own marriage because I'm married to a, a wonderful man. We've been married 22 years. But for years, 
I kept wanting him to be stronger than he was. But the fact of the matter was I was being so controlling and so manipulative, he never had a chance to be a leader. <laughs> and it wasn't until I stepped back and started saying the words, even with our children, of they would ask me something trivial, and I would say, go ask your father. He's the leader of our home. And doggone it, if he didn't raise up, and now he is the leader of our home in an amazing way that was facilitated by my stepping back from that place of insecurity that, that brought about that, that control and manipulation. So anyway, mm-hmm. a, a bit of an aside from the business side, but as you said, you know, we do bring those things to the table. So, uh, so, so take us to that place where okay. we can act from our higher self. Well, I just want to I just want to finish the ego self from the ego self based on what I just told you, right? The manifestations and the results really come into unfair compensation practices, smaller profits, decisions that are made from a self-centered point of view, um difficulty maintaining maintaining a long-term success. You can't you can't maintain a long-term success building on fear, lack and insecurity. There's just right. no way. It's a short-term strategy that will work as if you if you make people fearful, they'll work hard. You know, no doubt they will work hard, but you will lose most of your workforce um, and they're not going right. to stay. Okay, right. so working from your higher self, and this is the model of sustainability. If you're working from acceptance and compassion and, dare I say, love, your, your actions are going to be more about collaborating with other people. You're going to share more. You're going to be forgiving. You know, if somebody makes a mistake, and I've seen this time and time again, rather than, you know, absolutely taking them and breaking them over the coals, you can say, okay, I recognize there's a mistake. Now let's fix it and let's move on. It's not important to point the finger. Let's move on. It's about respect. It's about questioning from a place of curiosity rather than attack. And here becomes your result. The result from working from a higher consciousness, okay, from a, a sustainable business model is that you get teams that work together. You get people who are able to be innovative and creative with their solutions. They're willing to learn, and there's a much more large-scale impact. A lot of times these teams turn into teams that resolve issues more on a national or global scale rather than just inside their own um, their own office, which is always really interesting. And you get a lot of job creation, you get higher profits, you get emergence of new industries. It all makes sense when you take down the fear and the insecurity and the lack out of the equation. You get businesses and teams that work together and create dynamic opportunities for themselves and for the business as well. Right, and I think you know the next two chapters clearly go hand in hand of giving the best that you have got, but getting actually past that even to becoming the agent of change in your organization. And in the few minutes that we have left, um, you know, I'd, I'd really like to focus on that, and then how how do you of this and create high performing teams? Um, I, you broke up. Can you ask that question again? Oh yeah, I, I apologize. I was saying that the next two chapters really fit so well together uh, of giving the best that you've got and becoming an agent of change. And and I can see that progression in my own mind of how that works when you're able to get out of your own way. And so I'm wondering how you work all of that together to really form high-performing teams and how you get other people to go through that same progression that we've talked about of dealing with your own stuff and then raising beyond uh, that ego self. 
Okay. The first thing is, um, and I give 12 points about becoming a change agent, and it's the manifesto, but the most important one is this. A leader is somebody who's going to be a pioneer, and you need to understand that you are different, and it's important that you embrace that you are different. Um, And I don't mean uncooperative, but that you are different because you're put in that place of leadership whether you know it or not because you're supposed to be a catalyst for change. And I think that's very important for people to understand. Sometimes being a pioneer can be a little lonely, I'm not going to lie, but it's important to know that that is actually your role there. That's what you're supposed to do. In terms of um, getting other people to go on board, here's the, here are the three things that are really important. You have to be able to transmit your vision, what that higher belief is for the business and for its people, in a way that people will understand. If you don't communicate a vision to people, they don't know what you're thinking, and they think a lot of stuff is going on behind closed doors. So one, you've got to have the vision. Second, you have to communicate. Communicate clearly, communicate often, communicate constantly. I don't even know how much more I can say. You've got to continue to communicate the vision. The third thing is be clear. The one thing that I always tell people is this. When you watch people with children, some parents will talk to their children what I call to death. Okay, I live in a, a very family-orientated neighborhood here in New York City where they talk to their children to death, but they don't make it simple. They don't make it clear. Be very concise. Be very clear in your vision and in your communication with other people. You have to make it simple. and. Realize that people have got to hear your message over and over and over again and be reassured. It takes something like 7 to 11 times when you're marketing anything, anything in the world, before people actually get it. Well, Maria, I have just so enjoyed this. And, and uh, you know, the, the last couple of chapters are ones that I know I could spend a whole half hour to talk about uh, competition to collaboration, and then uh, getting from creativity to innovation, and and those are two things that are close to my heart, but we are running out of time, so I'd like to make sure that folks know how they can reach you, um, and and, uh, if they would like to have you speak or consult to their organization, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? The best way is to go to the website, um, www.mariagam, that's G-A-M for Mary, B for boy, dot com. And you can find me under that name on LinkedIn, Twitter, and on Facebook. Please feel free to communicate with me via social media. If you'd like the book, you can go to healingthecorporateworld.com, and that will give you a little preview video and some information. I also want to stress to people that we are open to communicating with our audiences from these shows. I mean, Chicky, I love to do it. So if anybody has a question or wants to contact me um, for any reason, just just email me at info at mariagam.com. That's my info at mariagam.com. Great. And for our executive girlfriends group members, uh, Patty, our executive producer, will be posting uh, Maria's contact information directly on our private website. Uh, Again, Maria's book is Healing the Corporate World. It's also available on the executive girlfriends group uh, book club site. So, Maria, thank you so, so much, and uh, I look forward to reading the rest of the book, and uh, I definitely will get back to you with some of my questions. Oh, no worries, and thank you so much, Chickie. It's been a pleasure to be here with you and your, um, and your community. I appreciate it.
Well, great. Have a wonderful weekend and a terrific vacation next week. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.